Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. I'm Arthur Snell. A major war is taking place on the European continent with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We'll be releasing a series of special episodes to help you understand the background to this crisis as it unfolds. This is Doomsday Watch. In the first series of Doomsday Watch, we tried to answer the question, what Putin wants. In that episode, we spoke to Hanna Lubakova, a democracy activist and reporter from Belarus. Hannah joined us from exile in Lithuania to explain the Belarus perspective and how her country has been unwillingly dragged into this conflict as Putin's wingman, Alexander Lukashenko, has allowed his country to be a staging point for the invasion. Hannah, welcome. Hello. Hannah, your country has been dragged into this war. So perhaps you could start by explaining to our listeners who might not be so familiar with the status of Belarus... What is happening there in relation to this conflict at the moment? As you know, Russia launched this unprovoked and shameless attack on Ukraine. Um, and it is a real tragedy, not only for Ukra- Ukrainians, but also for us, the people of Belarus, because the regime of Lukashenko made our country an aggressor in this war. He is a legitimate and illegal ruler, but he brought in Russian troops and made Belarus a full-fledged participant in this war and Russian invasion. By providing infrastructure and the territory for the attack, um, he also threatened to send Belarusian troops to fight Ukrainians um, on the side of Russians. We in Belarus believe that this is high treason and uh, a betrayal of the interests of the people. Because the majority of Belarusians are against the war, they don't want to threaten our neighbor. Nevertheless, uh, the regime is doing what it's doing for the past basically more than a week. So is it correct to say that there are troops from Belarus on the ground in Ukraine or they are still at the moment in a support role to the uh, Russian invaders? We don't have confirmation that Belarusian troops have been sent to Ukraine, that that they have crossed the border with Ukraine, and they are now on the territory of that country. However, there was information from Ukrainians um, in the Chernihiv region, which is uh, the, the region that borders Belarus, that there are Belarusian troops there. But again, there is a lot of disinformation at the moment, uh, and it's really hard to confirm officially that it um, happened. It does not mean that the regime in Belarus is not ready to do this. This is not... Um, 
justifying or this is not um, us trying to say that this is not happening. Um, but the fact is that we don't really have this confirmation. There is evidence uh, that the uh, Belarusian troops, Belarusian servicemen were sent to the border with Ukraine. According to officials in Belarus, they were sent to protect the border from apparently Ukrainians. Um, but again, Lukashenko just uh, today said that uh, Belarusian troops are not in uh, Ukraine and they won't be there. So this is uh, the status quo we have as of now. But this can change at any moment. Of course. Hannah, when you joined us on Doomsday Watch last year, we heard from you how the Kremlin was using Belarus as a kind of grey zone with strong influence, increasing military presence perhaps even a sort of buffer against NATO countries to the north. Now, of course, people may not have been following the developments in Belarus because of the focus on Ukraine. But what we're talking about here is the way that Russian military assets have now been put in your country, potentially on a permanent basis. Is that correct? And can you help us to understand what the situation actually is? Lukashenko is, uh, has been saying for the past weeks that Russian troops are not going to stay in Belarus on a permanent basis. However, after the military drills that were unplanned, thousands of soldiers, thousands of uh, vehicles and other equipment stayed in Belarus. And Lukashenko indeed said that uh, apart from those um, two military training centers, there might be even more um, where Russians would station their Iskanders, where Russians would station their troops. So this is not clear yet because now there is a major escalation and um, we don't really know about disagreements about um, for this uh, permanent um, deployment of Russian troops in Belarus. However, um, by deploying Russian troops in Belarus at this moment and by allowing this attack from the territory of Belarus, Lukashenko is indeed giving away parts of uh, our country's sovereignty and independence to the Kremlin because um, now he seems to be not deciding on um, what Russians can do in Belarus or not, because they attack Ukraine from the territory of Belarus and so on. So this indeed shows that uh, our sovereignty is in danger. It does not mean that Belarusians agree with this. We have the latest survey, sociological survey uh, from the Chatham House saying that uh, the majority of Belarusians do not want our soldiers to be sent to Ukraine um, to fight uh, on the side of Russia. They want our country to remain uh, peaceful and neutral in this uh, in this war. So Belarusians are against this conflict. So um, last Sunday... People went out to the streets to protest against uh, the war, against the Russian invasion and uh, Lukashenko. And uh, there were thousands of people protesting across the country, despite uh, these brutal repressions uh, in the past um, one year and a half. At least 800 people were arrested by the regime. Nevertheless, Belarusians are uh, still mobilized and are trying to show their resistance to the regime and this war. And the courage of the Belarusians in this situation that for them is not a new situation, but of course people such as yourself have been fighting now for some years in Belarus against this autocracy, uh, is, is it, it's important that we continue to recognise that. Um, I wanted to go on a bit to try to get your perspective as someone from a country that has been subjected to Russian aggression, to interference, 
Uh, it feels as if for years now, people have been saying, well, Putin won't go that far. You know, we, we don't like what he's doing, but he's not going to take this step. He won't do this, this big, this big uh, adventure. But I think that debate is over. So what's your perspective on where Putin's ambitions end? This is a very good question. I think till the last moment, uh, I and many other analysts all over the world did not believe that this attack would happen. We have seen uh, Donbass, we have seen Crimea, we have seen Georgia, uh, Moldova and and, um, Russian involvement in other countries. But we could not imagine that a fully fledged attack on a sovereign country on such a scale would take place. I think in the past years, however, in Russia, there were many changes and Russia became a real echo chamber in a way when it comes to Russian propaganda. And really, uh, all media in Russia were talking about depriving basically Ukraine of its status uh, as a sovereign country. We're saying that Russia has the full right to be, um, let's say, the owner of Ukraine or to to enact Ukraine and, and so on. So the same actually applies to Belarus. Russians, the Kremlin, uh, are denying our countries to, to, to be uh, of our independent status. When it comes to Putin's ambitions, that might be the answer. What they're saying now is that they are defending the right of Ukrainians to decide their future. But in their view, this future should be decided in the Kremlin, by the Kremlin, because um, they don't want Ukraine to be with the West. They want Ukraine to be um, to be with Russia. This is, so they're trying to completely rewrite the history. So given all this, I would assume that they would never agree to Ukraine to become fully independent. What's happening now in Ukraine, like, I think that many of, um, I think that even the Kremlin is actually surprised by the fact that Ukrainians are fighting back and that they are not greeting Russians with flowers and uh, with uh, cheering the fact that they are coming to their land because maybe they even believed in their own propaganda after so many years. Yeah. You're joining us from Lithuania, as I mentioned, What's your sense of the public opinion there and in the Baltic states on this crisis? Many here in Lithuania, uh, many people in Latvia uh, and potentially in Estonia uh, might be thinking that uh, the next target for the Kremlin, if Ukraine falls, would be actually the Baltic states. I think that's why uh, Lithuania and other countries uh, of the region are supporting Ukraine um, that much in the past uh, week, but also uh, well months and years. So um, because there is fear, there is understanding that uh, for Putin um, kind of gathering all former Soviet republics uh, is one of his goals. So this fear exists here. Um, as you know, uh, when the Kremlin launched an attack on Ukraine, uh, Lithuania immediately um, announced the state of emergency. The authorities are asking for more NATO troops here. The same for Poland, because Poland is an immediate uh, neighbor of uh, Ukraine. So those countries believe that since they are members of, of, of NATO, they are much safer and they would receive support uh, from from other countries if uh, an attack happens. Yeah. The other thing I'm interested to have your views on is the the escalation risk. It seems as if Putin is disconnected 
possibly from reality. He maybe he's not getting very good information, so that he thought that he could just drive into Ukraine, and as you say, the people would greet him as a liberator, not as a occupier. Uh, but does that mean that in frustration he might uh, seek to escalate to? carry out mass casualty type attacks using indiscriminate weaponry and if he feels threatened by nato what might his response be look if we think uh, about putin being rational and logical he needs ukraine he needs this land he needs uh, these people so i don't really think that um from, from speaking and thinking from this perspective, he would indeed launch some massive killing or um, he would destroy the land by, um, I don't know, striking the nuclear weapons there, for example. But again, we have seen so many illogical and irrational steps from him in the past days and weeks, um, and nobody knows what might happen. So that's why a strong reaction is really needed here because, well, Putin, he like this is kind of the world that he exists in. He thinks, he really believes that um, if he shows himself in this way, like this means that he's strong, that means that others would respect him. And that's something that he really needs because in the past years he was isolated, uh, that other countries are also not... Um, you know, kind of willing to, to let's say, speak with him and, and so on. So now he wants to bring back this respect. The only way he, he sees uh, it possible is by threatening, by scaring and by attacking. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. To some extent, people such as yourself, but also... Uh, particularly the the leaders of of the Baltic states have been warning about Russian aggression for years, and finally we're now seeing what it really means. Uh, but we're also seeing the world maybe too late, maybe insufficiently, but the world is finally taking a different approach. The sanctions, the sudden increase in the military budgets across the EU, the commitment to receive refugees from Ukraine. So we've gone from a situation of Europe ignoring the warnings from the experts, including people like you, to Europe catching up with itself. So do you think there is enough has been done? If not, what needs to happen next? And when we talk about this, I'm also interested to think about whether or not Belarus is included in some of these measures. So what we know so far is that the EU uh, has imposed some really strong measures. And now it's really interesting to see how, starting from Putin to the Ministry of Economy and and other officials, um, explaining to Russians that this is not going to hurt. Uh, Well, no, unfortunately, it will be really painful. However, let's let's remember that any sanctions take time. And... 
there won't be immediate effects. Sanctions is not a silver bullet. So more needs to be done to defend Ukraine. Now, the future of uh, Ukraine, the future of our country, Belarus, and the future of our region and continent is basically decided here. Because if Putin takes over Ukraine, um, Russia will be stronger and Russia will feel um, well more power and will feel encouraged to expand even more. Um, we see Belarus uh, now is very loyal to the Kremlin um, and potentially there is no, um, I would say, motivation for Putin to invade Belarus because, well, it's, it's very dependent right now on him. Yet at the same time, this means for us that we will definitely lose our independence and sovereignty because, well, Lukashenko would um, uh, would not need it anymore and Putin would not need it anymore, I would say. So when it comes to the response to Lukashenko, of course, the weaker Lukashenko is, the weaker Putin is. And uh, both of them should be um, considered in the same way because both of them are aggressors. Again, for us, it's really important what happened, what's happening in Ukraine, and that's why we, as um, as Belarusians, as uh, journalists, as civil society, are trying to highlight this is- issue as, as much as possible. Yeah, and I suppose that perhaps the kind of final part of this discussion is to think about what the future should be. I know that you want a future in which Belarus is run by. Uh, leaders who are appointed by the people who have democratic legitimacy. And of course, Ukraine wants a future in which it, it is the, the, the decider of its own destiny and it is not under occupation or threat from Russia. But it seems to me there's a bigger picture here, which is that the structures, the geopolitical structures, which were supposed to exist to regulate and mitigate these types of threats It feels as though those structures have broken down and it feels as if we need new structures. Do you have any thoughts on where what that new world should look like uh, as we stand in the ruins of the current world? Well, let's not uh, immediately say that the the old world um, is ruined. I think what we have seen in the past uh, one year and a half when it comes to the international reaction towards Lukashenko's regime, and now uh, when it comes to the reaction to, to, what, to what is happening in Ukraine, I think there is a lot of support and there is a lot of solidarity. We have seen a lot of um, protests, rallies all around the world in support of Ukraine, in Berlin, um, in, in the US, in so many countries, in the Czech Republic. And people, uh, maybe this would be the new um, renewable, let's say, of, of democracy, right? Because people would see that, well, um, dictatorships, autocrats are not sustainable and they would, um, they're not secure in the first place. That's something that we in Belarus also tried to show for the past uh, one year and a half that human rights violations and security go together. Uh, Now, I think what we would definitely, um, what we now understand perhaps better is that responses are needed, that we cannot appease dictators. They would not change. I have observed for years how foreign leaders tried to change Lukashenko. Well, thank you. And final question from me. What what would your advice be to private citizens? How can they help? 
I think this war um, of that Russia launched in Ukraine um, also is an information war, and we um, really need to spread infra- as much inf- information, real objective information as possible. Um, it's important to show the brave fight of Ukrainians. Uh, it's important to show to Russians what's really happening there because uh, the Kremlin um, has been blocking websites uh, that uh, independent websites that um, reveal the real numbers of Russian troops and uh, victims um, in Ukraine and they're trying to hide this information from from Russian citizens so maybe um, the international community can try to deliver this information to Russians but also spread this information among themselves it's really important to donate to help Ukrainians, to help uh, refugees, to help um, the Belarusians who are also trying to escape um, U- Ukraine. Um, so what I think is important for us in Belarus is to distinguish between the regime and people. Belarusians are against the war. Belarusians support Ukraine. And the regime is an aggressor, not the country. Thank you very much for joining us, Hanna Lubikova. Thank you. If you found this podcast helpful, please consider backing us on Patreon so we can continue our work and spread the word to those you think might be interested. Many thanks. We'll speak again soon.